the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Russian stock market craters as Vladimir Putin is expected to escalate the war in Ukraine. He will likely call for mobilization, at least a partial mobilization of the Russian forces because he knows he's losing. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis responds to a criminal investigation connected to his sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard. It was clearly voluntary and all the other nonsense you're hearing um, is just not true. U.S. stocks drop as the Fed meets to discuss interest rates. Uh, They will do a 75 basis point increase. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, September 21st. I'm Mike Scott. In Ukraine, Russian-controlled regions have announced plans to begin voting this week to try and become part of Russia. The effort from the Kremlin to claim several regions in the war-torn area have some military experts believing Russia is setting the stage to escalate the war due to recent Ukrainian success. According to reports, close allies of Russian President Vladimir Putin say the votes are needed And as Moscow is losing ground in the invasion, increasing pressure on the Kremlin for a stiff response is necessary. Dmitry Alperovich, a Soviet-born American and founder of the think tank Silverado Policy, joined News Nation and said that Putin had only two choices after Russia's recent humiliating defeats in Ukraine. He had two choices after that devastating defeat. Uh, admit that he has lost and pull out or escalate, and he's clearly choosing to escalate. The referendums are a big deal for several reasons. One, you're absolutely right, he's annexing part of Ukraine, but even more importantly, he's annexing parts of Ukraine that he actually does not control. They're announcing referendums in these four oblasts, four regions of Ukraine, and all four of them have parts of those regions that the Ukrainians currently control. In fact, Ukrainians are making progress in taking some of that territory back. So he's actually going to say that this area that the Ukrainians are controlling is going to be part of Russia constitutionally as of next week. That's a really big deal because it theoretically can come under the Russian nuclear umbrella where he can say that he's uh, under the Russian doctrine. He can use nuclear weapons to defend it. Alperovich says that in addition to the referendum, Putin is expected to call up more troops. Of course, it's going to be a sham referendum. Of course, it's been prepared in the Kremlin. They know the results in advance. They're prepared to accept those results, uh, which will be a yes vote in all four regions and um, make the constitutional change in Russia to, to annex it. But more importantly, he's going to give a speech in probably six or seven hours. The Russian state television has announced, and he will likely call for mobilization, at least a partial mobilization of the Russian forces, because he knows he's losing. He doesn't have enough power in, in, uh, manpower in Ukraine to hold those territories, and he needs a lot more people, and that means probably taking conscripts and others and and sending them to Ukraine. Alperovich goes on to say that Putin is going to change the economy to focus on the production of military equipment. 
he's clearly ramping it up. He's trying to put the society on a war footing. Uh, he met today with leaders of uh, defense industry in Russia, telling them that they need to ramp up production because Russia is starting to run low on munitions and weapons. So he is uh, changing the entire character of the country, which to this day really has not paid much attention to this war. It has tacitly supported, but mostly through apathy. Now they're going to be in this fight because their sons and daughters are going to be directly fighting, likely in this war if he calls for mobilization. And the, con- the nature of the economy is going to change where it's going to be focused on production of military equipment. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says Russia is clearly struggling. The bottom line is that Russia is throwing together sham referendums on three days' notice as they continue to lose ground on the battlefield and as more world leaders distance themselves from Russia on the public stage. And Russia is scraping for personnel to throw into this fight. These are not the actions of a confident country. These are not acts of strength. Quite the opposite. And Sullivan says creating a sham referendum will not help Russia in Europe. It's not exactly a move of great strength on the part of the Russians, nor do we think that it is going to give them some additional authority at the negotiating table. Quite the opposite. It is the act of a country uh, that has suffered setbacks militarily, diplomatically, and those setbacks, we think, are giving momentum to the Ukrainian effort. Meantime, Russian stocks fell Tuesday on signs that Putin could escalate his war on Ukraine after his military suffered those stunning routes earlier this month. In addition, new legislation in Russia's parliament would heighten punishment for military crimes such as desertion, damage to military property, and insubordination. On Tuesday... The special master tasked to review the documents federal agents took from Mar-a-Lago seemed to be doubtful that the documents had been declassified. Senior U.S. District Judge Raymond Deary asked former President Trump's attorneys for more information about which of the documents may have been declassified. However, the former president's attorneys told the judge that they didn't want to reveal that yet, because it could force them to prematurely disclose a defense to the merits of any subsequent indictment. CBS's senior investigative correspondent, Catherine Herridge, says that fight over the classification of documents is impacting how the special master is to review all of those documents. What we learned in the hearing today is that there's already a major sticking point over this issue of classification. Judge Deary told the Trump legal team that, quote, you can't have your cake and eat it too, because earlier in the hearing they had said, we don't want to kind of put our cards on the table about classification right now. We don't want to say these records were declassified, these records were not. And the judge said, well, how am I supposed to review records if I can't even have that as a starting point, and one of uh, former President Trump's lawyers suggested that Judge Jury was sort of overstepping the requirements that had laid out by the federal court, and he seemed to take um, uh, sort of insult hmm. to to that um, to that allegation. So, what we're seeing already is this issue of classification is is front and center, even to just get this review by the special master out of the gates. Herridge explains that the attorneys for Trump 
are planning for any potential move by the DOJ to file charges against the former president. We had uh, a, a filing just before the hearing where the Trump legal team said, Special Master Deary, we, we don't want to get into issues of, of classification because, you know, number one, we think it's premature. We, we might be willing to have a discussion about that when we get to the point where you are deciding what records were improperly seized by the FBI and should be returned to former President Trump. Uh, and then second, and most importantly, they said, we don't really want to get into this because this potentially could be part of a defensive legal strategy if charges are ultimately brought. And, and in simple terms, what they're saying is we don't want to commit to a position right now about what records the former president declassified and which ones maybe he didn't, because six months or a year from now, we may see the picture a little differently as his defense teams. Herridge states that the DOJ is planning to appeal the ruling that forces them to pause the investigation into Donald Trump and are prepared to take that to the Supreme Court. The Justice Department, as Errol pointed out, wants to get that court to step in and say the federal judge in Florida was wrong to kind of pause the FBI and Justice Department's ability to review the records seized at Mar-a-Lago as part of their criminal investigation. And in fact, that came up today with Judge Deary. He said to the head of the counterintelligence division, Jay Bratt, what are you going to do if the 11th Circuit, that appeals court, does not step in? And he said, and I think this is very significant, he said, we're going to or we should consider other appellate options. Now, they're not a lot of appellate options beyond the 11th Circuit. The, the initial hearing is with a, a small group of judges. If they decided to appeal that finding, then it goes to what they call en banc, which is, you know, the entire court. And then after that, it's the Supreme Court. <laughs> so... Already in that hearing in New York today, we had a Justice Department official say, we're going to go the distance on this. Meanwhile, Dave Ehrenberg, the state attorney of Florida, says that in his opinion, Judge Deary will expedite that case. There is a November 30th deadline for the special master to finish his work, but he could finish it before then, and I think he will. But also you have the 11th Circuit appeal that's pending, and they are expediting it too. So for a lot of us who are concerned that this was going to be stretched out uh, into next year, I think that we're starting to see that the judiciary is stepping up, is responding, realizing that we're dealing with matters of major national security concerns. And as such, I think this issue, the issues of these documents, the special master, the confidentiality, a lot of this stuff will be decided sooner than later. Ehrenberg goes on to explain that, unfortunately, due to the classification of some of the documents, there are aspects of the case the public will never see, even if the DOJ does file charges. You see uh, in these documents there are issues of major national security concerns. Some of them are classified to the highest level, SCI, code, and the public will never see that. And that also poses problems for the Department of Justice because if they're going to pursue an indictment against Donald Trump, they're limited to what they can produce in court because of the sensitivity of the documents. The media isn't the only one taking an interest in Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's efforts to send illegal migrants to Martha's Vineyard. A sheriff in Texas has launched his own investigation into that decision to transport the migrants to the wealthy island enclave. 
San Antonio's Bear County Sheriff Javier Salazar, a Democrat, released a statement on Twitter that read in part the Bear County Sheriff's Office has opened an investigation into the migrants that were lured from the Migrant Resource Center located in Bear County and flown to Florida, where they were ultimately left, according to the sheriff, to fend for themselves in Martha's Vineyard. Additionally, the sheriff went on to say they're working with private attorneys who are representing some victims as well as advocacy organizations regarding the incident. Responding to the news, the Florida governor joined Fox and pointed out what he feels is the hypocrisy of focusing on the illegal migrants that were sent to Martha's Vineyard. Millions of people since Biden's been president illegally coming across the southern border. Did they freak out about that? No. You've had migrants die in the Rio Grande, yet 50 uh, die in Texas in a trailer because they were being neglected. Was there a freak out about that? No, there wasn't. You've had criminal aliens get across that southern border and victimize Americans, killing some, raping some. Was there any type of outrage about that? No. And then, of course, we know fentanyl deaths are at an all-time high. Where's that fentanyl coming from? Over the, it's coming over the open southern border. It's only when 50 get put into Martha's Vineyard, which wasn't saying they didn't want this. They said they wanted this. They said they were a sanctuary jurisdiction. These were people who were basically destitute and then put in a situation where they could have succeeded, but that was all virtue signaling. And not only did they not welcome them, they deported them the next day with the National Guard. Give me a break. DeSantis says that the migrants all signed consent forms and that the investigation is nothing more than nonsense. They all signed consent forms to go, and then the vendor that, that is doing this for Florida provided them with a packet that had a map of Martha's Vineyard. It had the numbers for different services on Martha's Vineyard, and then it had numbers for the overall agencies in Massachusetts that handle things involving immigration and refugees. So it was clearly voluntary, and all the other nonsense you're hearing um, is just not true. DeSantis goes on to say that, in his opinion, the Biden administration's failure on the southern border is the biggest failure of the White House. There are jobs available in Martha's Vineyard. There is lodging available in Martha's Vineyard. Had they lived up to their what they build themselves at as a sanctuary jurisdiction, they could have absorbed those people without a problem. But here's the thing. They said they didn't have housing. They said they couldn't accommodate. Like, let's just say that's true for a minute. Well, what does that mean for these poor towns in Texas? What does it mean for these other places across the country uh, that are seeing influx? What does it mean to these small towns that Biden has dumped so many people in? And so I think what we've been able to do is show that this border is a disaster. Biden has failed on this as much or more than on any other policy. And now people are talking about it. Dozens of people have been charged in a multi-million dollar food scheme in Minnesota. Daybreak Insider's Norman Hall has more on this developing story that may engulf a governor in a critical election year. Federal authorities charged 47 people in Minnesota with conspiracy and other counts in what is said to be a massive scheme that took advantage of the COVID-19 pandemic to steal $250 million from a federal program that provides meals to low-income children. Prosecutors say the defendants created companies that claimed to be offering food to tens of thousands of children across Minnesota, then sought reimbursement for those meals through the U.S. Department of Agriculture's food nutrition programs. Prosecutors say few meals were actually served, 
and the defendants used the money to buy luxury cars, property, and jewelry. I'm Norman Hall. Investors on Wall Street are leaning toward the possibility that the Fed might deliver a surprise 100 basis point interest rate hike at the close of its two-day policy meeting today. The concern of Wall Street is that last week's August Consumer Price Index, coupled with the still robust labor market, may have convinced Fed Chair Jerome Powell that he must do more than simply stay the course as they struggle to curb inflation. Instead, Fed policymakers may feel they must act more forcefully. However, some economic experts are worried that being so forceful could risk spooking the market, while others are more concerned that failing to bring markets to heel now could risk far worse consequences down the road. Stephen Moore, co-founder of the Club for Growth, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that while the jobs numbers are still high, inflation remains high as well. I mean, literally, you've seen hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who now have to take on two jobs. Did you know that, Chris, to, to be able to you know, buy the essentials that they need for their family because everything is so expensive? I mean, I would rate this economy right now. It, look, it is true for people who want a job. It is true jobs are out there. I mean, I still talk to employers all the time, and they say one of our biggest problems is finding workers. So there are jobs, and that's a, that's a good thing about our economy, that, that people who want jobs can find them. Um, the problem is that the pay that you're getting for working is shrinking month after month after month after month. I mean, I said it a thousand times on your show. There was no one. Do you recall an inflation problem when Trump was president, Chris? Yeah, do you remember that? No. I, no. I do not. You know why? Because the inflation rate was one and a half to two percent. And, and we've gone in 20 months. Think about this, folks. I don't care if you're a Republican Democrat. I mean, it's just the facts. We've gone from one and a half percent inflation to eight and a half percent inflation in 20 months. Moore says that while the price of gas is going down a little bit, everything else is getting more expensive. Just so people kind of understand what's going on with inflation, because I was actually a bit surprised about the 8.3% number that came out last week. I thought we'd get a better inflation number, and it was even worse than I thought. And the reason was, you know, you have seen a reduction in gas prices, no question. They're down by about a dollar and a quarter, from $5 to about three seventy-five nationally now, which is still a lot higher than it was under Trump. But Almost everything else is going up in price. Moore goes on to predict that the Fed will only raise rates by three quarters of one percent. Well, first of all, they're a little, uh, little late to the game, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. how many months in a row have we been talking about this? And I've been saying the Fed is behind the curve. So they, the Fed is also culpable here. It's Biden and the Fed that let this inflation get out of control. Uh, they will do a 75 basis point increase. Look at what's now. What's the effect of that? Uh, for everyday Americans, have you seen what happened to uh, mortgage rates, Chris? Yeah, yeah. The housing market is just completely now. ground to a halt. Yeah, yeah, yep. West Virginia announces a $147 million opioid settlement with CVS and Walmart. Daybreak Insiders Mike Gracia has more on this story from our medical desk. 
The state of West Virginia has reached settlements with Walmart and CVS Pharmacy for a combined $147 million in a lawsuit over the company's role in the opioid crisis. West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey announced the settlements. Walmart agreed to a settlement of just over $65 million. CVS settled for $82.5 million, but the CVS deal includes a provision that West Virginia can receive money from any future national settlements concerning CVS. West Virginia has reached $875 million in opioid settlements with manufacturers, wholesalers, and pharmacies. The settlement money will be distributed throughout the state to abate the opioid crisis. I'm Mike Gracia. The National Transportation Safety Board wants all new vehicles to check drivers for alcohol use and driving while intoxicated. Daybreak Insider's Ed Donahue has more on this regulation that may be coming from the federal government. The NTSB wants blood alcohol monitoring systems in the vehicle that can stop someone who is drunk from driving. This is a recommendation. NTSB has no regulatory authority. Other agencies would have to act. It is included in a report about a horrific crash last year near Fresno, California. A drunk driver collided head-on with another vehicle, killing both adult drivers and seven children. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says roadway deaths are at crisis levels. Nearly 43,000 people were killed last year the highest number in 16 years. Early estimates show the number is rising again through the first half of this year, but has declined from April through June. I'm Ed Donahue. And finally, looking for a new chicken recipe for dinner? Well, the FDA is warning not to use the latest recipe from this TikTok craze, NyQuil marinated chicken. While it does sound disgusting, the FDA actually warns that consuming it could be dangerous. The recipe is called sleepy chicken because when the medicine is boiled, it becomes more concentrated and powerful as a marinade. There is a new trend, uh, hashtag sleepy chicken, basically where people marinate their chicken before they cook it in NyQuil. They're saying do it like if you have a cold or, you know, you need help sleeping. There's a problem when you cook NyQuil, when you boil it. Yeah, so the FDA says that this is extremely bad because, first of all, when you boil it, it can get into your lungs and cause harm. Because it becomes more potent. Yes, this is a good thing for people to, like, listen to when it comes to the FDA because I didn't know that, that it, like, can get in your lungs and mess you up. The FDA says that simply inhaling the vapors during the cooking process causes the concentrated drug to enter the person's system and could cause severe lung damage. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.